What is up, fam? I'm Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Doctor, Pre-Med Mondays, Black Men and White Coast, and the Dr. Doc Children's Series. Click in the links below if you want to grab a free copy. We'll mail it to you. You cover shipping and handling or grab it off Amazon.com. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, on Google, on Spotify, whatever you listen to. Hit that subscribe button. And of course, you listen to the Black Men and White Coast podcast, a place where black clinicians have the platform to share their stories with listeners like you. Got a great guest today. Phenomenal story a phenomenal story before i do i want to remind all pre-medical students premedmondays.com premedmondays.com check it out register for what we do is we give you pre-med coaching to help you be successful not just as a pre-med but as a leader a leader right coaching accountability we do all that stuff for you guys premedmondays.com make sure you check it out we do it in a manner that's actually affordable Right, it's only ten dollars a month and that's just for us to cover some administrative stuff pay some med students and things of that sort to help work with you guys and our goal there is to make sure that every pre-med has the opportunity to have this leadership training, to have this coaching, right? PreMedMondays.com, we do that for you guys, okay? DiverseMedicine.com, pre-meds, doctors, advisors, everybody, check it out. Med school recruiters are on there. Everybody check it out, right? It's a place where it's a community of individuals trying to make sure our next generation is going to be successful. So hop on there, get a mentor, become a mentor. So many things you can do on DiverseMedicine.com. Make sure you check it out. All right, now. Man, so much is going on in the country right now, and I, I'm not going to, I don't get po- political on this podcast. That is not what we do, but just pray for the country, man. That's all I can tell you. Pray for the country. Let's be um, constructive. Let's work together for the betterment of everybody. Let's equip our youth so they can be successful, right? Um, you know, make sure everybody's doing what they need to do to be prepared and ready to, to contribute to society in a positive fashion that you can, right? So pray for the country. I'm not going to get political because that's everywhere. That's not what this podcast is about, but man. Keep the country in mind. Keep it in your prayers. We're going through a lot as a big family country. We are a family. We go through our ups and downs, but ultimately, let's make sure we're moving in the right direction. All right. All right. So let's get into today's guest. Very fascinating. Very fascinating guy. I don't want to ruin the story. I say this every episode. I don't want to ruin the story, but I will just tell you that and I'm, I'm going to do a spoiler alert right now. OK, the thing that fascinates me the most about this and I still can't get over it is this idea that, you know, he went to two med schools. Ben Simmons, everybody. Ben Simmons is the guest. Let me make sure I say that first. But he went to two medical schools. And um, this is very fascinating to me. And and, and I just really want the pre-meds to hear the story because it's a story that needs to be heard. Uh, because And it deals with the schools in the um, Caribbean medical schools and schools here in the States. A lot of pre-meds have these questions and they've had the opportunity to really think it through or hear from people who have experienced both. Because most people haven't experienced both. He went to two med schools. He was in the Caribbean islands and he was in the States as well. So his story is very fascinating and very unique in that sense. Um, a lot of great stuff in the story. And ultimately, what you get out of this is this idea of he had a dream. Um, he was determined to achieve that dream. He made some mistakes along the way. Nonetheless, he didn't give up and he went back. He identified his mistakes. He held himself accountable and he corrected the things that he had done wrong to get to where he wants to be. He corrected the things that he had done wrong to get to where he wants to be. Phenomenal story, everybody. Check it out. My guy, Ben Simmons. Ooh. I want them bad like a daddy, yeah. Oh, let do it like flagger, yeah. I'm kicking flavor, no saga, yeah. Hey, I like them blues. I'm 
might go Janet like Jackson. I got them options, yeah. It's all about progression. Life is like a blessing. Everything a win, loss is like a lesson. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Ain't no time for stressing. I've been really stepping. Ooh, ooh, yeah. If you wanna go get it, stop playing around. Really got on racks, ain't playing around. If you wanna go get it, stop playing around. Really got on racks, ain't playing around. Black man, white yeah. coat, shit, we up right now, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta set you a goal. One of the questions I get most often from both my peers, friends, professionally, is if I always wanted to be a doctor. And I think the earliest memory I have of even thinking about being a doctor was going to my pediatrician. And I was just starting to play youth basketball at that point in time. And I, all I wanted to know from him is how tall I was going to be. And he looked at me confidently in my eyes and told me, you're going to be 6'3", you're going to be the perfect height to play basketball if you want to keep doing that. And I just remember my face just lighting up with the biggest, brightest smile I'd ever felt. And I had told my grandparents who I was living with at the time, like, I want to do that. I want to be able to tell someone how tall they're going to be with such confidence. And they looked at me like, well, you definitely can do that. You definitely can become a doctor if that's something that you want to do. Although I never really had a plan for exactly how I was going to make that happen until after I had graduated from undergrad, actually. And I'll get into my story now. So basically, I was born in New York City, in Manhattan, and then shortly after, parents were having a little bit of trouble with one another, and my mother decided to move down to Savannah, Georgia. Why she picked Savannah out of all towns, I still never know, um, but we went down there Started kindergarten there, actually, you know, had my first introduction to real conservative Southern families and how they viewed different things. But it wasn't until I was much older and I got to look back on kind of those dynamics between the black and white families uh, and how that affected the interactions of the neighborhood and such. Uh, so. I lived in Savannah, Georgia till I was about six years old. At the time, my mother had gotten sick to the point where we had to return to New York to move in with her parents. So at the time, I was living with my mother, um, who was getting treated at Memorial Sloan Kettering and my, and her two parents, my grandparents. Um, about a year later, my mom had passed. And at the time, my father was going through a lot of stuff. So I ended up having to um, actually move in with my mother's parents, so being raised by my grandparents. And that definitely added an extra dynamic to a lot of things because when you think about grandparents, they're mostly concerned about making sure you're safe. They want to spoil their grandkids. Um, so having them switch over from that role to a parental role uh, definitely was something, a, an interesting transition to go through. And my grandparents, they would do literally anything for me. Uh, whatever activities I wanted to participate in, whatever, you know, activities I wanted to do inside school, outside of school, they made sure they did everything that they could to make that possible. Um, but the, on the flip side was that they didn't really want to be too strict on me about, you know, whatever, whether it be homework or practicing extra for whatever sports I was involved in or whatever. They were more focused on that mental health component, making sure that I was OK, you know, going through childhood uh, and all those things. So for better or for worse, I never really feel like I had that super kind of push to, you know, make sure I'm getting perfect grades or doing perfectly on this or that. And <clears throat> so I'm not sure how that affected me 
as I progressed through elementary school, middle school, so on and so forth. Um, I loved playing basketball growing up, running track, eventually got to high school, ended up focusing just on track and field in high school. Uh, you know, I never really studied a lot for all of my classes. I felt like if I was doing well on my tests, that was enough to get by. Um, and then same thing with my immediate peer group as well. Talk to the guidance counselor. They said, you're doing well. Everything should be fine as far as going to school, what have you. So I thought everything was going to be all right. Um, and, and everything did end up working out as far as I graduated from high school, ended up uh, attending the University of Maryland for undergrad. I was accepted as part of their civicist community service based honors program where we got to work a lot with the inner city communities, the D.C. homeless population, uh, a lot of underserved, underrepresented communities. And so that was an amazing opportunity. But at the end of the day, I was a big city kid coming from Queens, New York, coming to College Park, Maryland, which was this picture perfect college campus that you see on TV with a fraternity row, sorority row, the mall, this massive library where you had a first floor of people partying. And then as you go higher floors, people getting uh, subsequently more serious with their studies. But definitely my first impression of the undergraduate environment was one of this is where we're supposed to have fun and less of me realizing that this is the chance to enrich my academic foundation. So when I went to my first guidance counselor meeting, they asked, well, you know, what are you interested? And I kind of vaguely said, you know, I've kind of always thought about being a doctor. Not really sure what that means as far as taking the steps um, to get there. And they said, oh, well, you should, you know, join the pre-med track. You should be a biology major. And so I was like, fine, you know, I'll definitely do those things if that's what it takes. But that was kind of my last time checking in with the guidance counselor department. I wasn't really sure on what types of intervals I should be checking in and seeing the pre-health department. And if I was you know, more mature at that time, I definitely would have sought those resources out. But again, I was just coming into this college environment overwhelmed by all the fun, all the parties and everything that was going on that I mainly focused on my social interactions, my social environments as not as much on my academic environments. And so as I was nearing graduation, I went into the pre-health office and this is the second time since the very beginning of school. And I kind of asked, you know, well, I still kind of thinking about being a doctor. You know, what are my options? And they thought that that was rather disrespectful at that time. They said, you know, kind of how dare you come in here on the last day before graduation when kids have been checking up on us either quarterly or semesterly to make sure you know, that they were on track and doing what they needed to do. And there's no way we can really help you now. We can't really give you a com committee letter. There's so many things that we can't offer you. So your best bet is just to go across the street to the career center, see whatever they have available and take it from there. And so, you know, I definitely understood where they were coming from. I knew that if I, you know, had been more mature, I'd been more on top of things from the beginning of undergrad, that would have definitely been a track I would have been on, but now I had to make the best of my scenario. So I went across the street to the career center, met a couple of awesome recruiters from the Department of Treasury. They were actually at that time and back in 2010, switching over from Blackberries to iPhones. And they were hiring a bunch of young college graduates to kind of help push that project along. And so I got lucky. They hired me right there on the spot, ended up working as in IT for the Department of Treasury 
on this big uh, iPhone project. And I, you know, it was, it was a ball. It was my first time making a lot of money. I was making, I think about $50,000. I thought I was, you know, the richest person <laughs> in the world. Didn't really have too much financial literacy at that point either, but I definitely had a ball for, for about a year and a half until I decided, you know, I, I hate the feeling of being in the office at 2 p.m. and having to stay until 5 p.m. no matter what and just kind of twiddling my thumbs, counting the seconds down. I was like, I need a career where I don't feel like I'm just sitting around waiting for time to pass. Uh, so went back, Googled about medical schools, saw what happened. And then I was like, OK, do I need to take the MCAT? Do I need to do this or that? And actually, there was a school that had emailed me directly. I won't get too into the details of that, but basically they said, you know, if you come here in the Caribbean, you don't even need to take an MCAT. You can just take our entrance exam. Everything will be great. You can start within six to eight weeks. And I thought, wow, this is an amazing opportunity. They're like, how did I get so lucky to find this? Again, at this point in time, definitely could have done more research. But um, just as a first time, first generation, someone guided themselves through the pre-med process. I was just latching on to whatever opportunities I thought made sense at that time. So I ended up actually taking their entrance examination, ended up going to this program um, in the Caribbean, not one of the uh, big Caribbean, you know, recognized institutions, a, a smaller institution. I didn't know too much about what residency match means, but they assured me that people that graduated from there were matching, um, getting residencies. Later found out that it was maybe one or two in those first initial few classes out of a class of maybe 20 or uh, 30 kids. So I started getting a little bit suspicious, started asking a little bit more around like what specialties people were getting, where they were going. Um, and long story short, eventually one of the dean of student affairs out there told me, you know, maybe your best opportunity is to head back to the United States, uh, maybe do a formal postback program, take an MCAT. And that may be better for your overall uh, goals if you want to be at a large academic institution, if that's something that's important to you then, you know, that may be a better opportunity than proceeding here, even though they felt that I was still would have a strong chance of getting residency if I stayed there. So just a kind of quick aside, some people that were in my class in St. Lucia there are now licensed physicians in the state. So it was a possibility. Um, they didn't end up at large academic institutions. So I still feel like maybe I did the right thing if that was my uh, main goal at that time. So I came back to the United States. I was lucky to actually get a job at Apple doing a very similar thing that I was doing at the Treasury. I was able to get on a team, a business team where we were encrypting iPhones for, for business teams. And at that time, I was like, OK, I'm going to also study for the MCAT. But I also found that studying for the MCAT and working at the same time wasn't really giving me the progress I needed as far as study was concerned. Uh, so I ended up taking three months off to take the MCAT. Now, I had learned so many study skills from being over in that St. Lucia program. It really helped me gain so many skills that I had not had in undergrad as far as time management, study discipline, just knowing how to write notes, re go back over my notes and kind of use critical thinking to analyze everything that I was learning. So at this point, um, I felt very comfortable studying for the MCAT, 
ended up taking it after about a two and a half months off from work. At that time, I got a 33 on my MCAT. I'm not sure what that uh, converts to with the new score, but I was very excited about it, especially because my undergrad GPA was so bad. So now I decide, okay, what am I going to need to do to get in med school from here? And so I started looking at more formal post-baccalaureate programs. And I said, you know, if I have the opportunity to prove myself, all I need to do is get my foot in the door and I know I can make it as long as I have that opportunity. And so I was looking at those programs uh, like the MedPath program, the Drexel program, the Georgetown Gems program, programs where if I was able to prove myself, get above a certain GPA, that I would be able to be directly admitted into their medical school. Um, so in the meantime, I just wanted to make sure I strengthened my application for those post-bac programs. I retook some of the harder pre-med programs. I was like, okay, if I can get an A in Orgo, if I can get an A in Physics 2, in Gen Chem 2, then I not only assure those schools that I can really do it, but assure myself. Um, so I was able to retake those classes at the University of Maryland uh, and do well in those classes. And so from there, I was like, okay, it's time to go. I'm ready. I can show people I can do this. So I ended up applying to a few of those programs, got into the GEMS program at Georgetown. I was already in the D.C. area. My whole social network was in D.C. I decided it was time you know, to, to stay in D.C., take my opportunity and prove to Georgetown that I, I can do it. So studied super hard during my post-baccalaureate year, ended up getting uh, direct admitted into Georgetown. Um, it was one of the happiest moments of my life. And except for shortly after that, some, a little bit of logistical uh, kind of mess happened. And it was told to me that going to a school in the, whether it be in the Caribbean or otherwise, going to a medical school, leaving on your own will, and then applying to another medical school is like something that was taboo or maybe against the rules, actually. Um, it was like a rule made when there was much fewer medical schools and they didn't want you taking two, like a seat for a doctor in one school leaving. And then now you're taking a second seat. So now where there could have been two physicians, there's now one because no one can replace you halfway through medical school. And the major complication really came from the fact that when I was filling out my AMCAS to apply for medical schools and they asked, have you been to a previous medical school? I typed in the school that I had went to and they didn't have an AMC school code. And so I called AMCAS. They said, you know, just put it included as graduate education or other international education and just kind of include something about it, maybe in your personal statement. So I ended up going ahead doing that. Long story short, it still ended up becoming a problem for me. Um, it was debate. People were debating whether it was considered falsifying my AMCAS because I had included it as graduate education when it was medical education, even though there wasn't a specific AMC code. I mean, I didn't really record my tracks and record who I talked to at AMCAS and who I was talking to here. So it led to me not even being able to qualify for FAFSA um, in that following year. So I ended up having to actually take time off from school. Um, but luckily during that time, I had gotten into a summer program, a research program at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. It was actually supposed to only be one summer. But when I was there, I was kind of letting them know all this kind of craziness that was going on as far as what was going on with my schooling and maybe having to take time off. 
they eventually said, you know, we'd love to have you here if you end up having to stay for a year or longer. Um, so ended up having to take two years off from medical school. Um, during that time, was able to do research at the Mayo Clinic, work with some amazing cardiologists over there that kind of convinced me that maybe that was the direction I wanted to go to as far as specialty-wise and professionally. Um, so ended up publishing some papers out there, falling in love with research. Also, I remember growing up always wondering why people would say their opinions as fact. And it kind of bothered me growing up. I'm like, well, what kind of, what are you using to make your point? I don't understand like how you can just say something that's opinion based and make it sound so factual and found that through clinical research, you can kind of really prove the points that you're making. And that really excited me about doing research projects and being able to say things or create an opinion, create a hypothesis based on that. Uh, and then be able to say that more than likely what I originally thought was true or not true, um, and then use stronger quality evidence to kind of support that. So at this point, I had finished a year post back program, a year of medical school at Georgetown. Now I had done two years of research at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, and now it's time to return to school. And upon returning to school was the wildest experience. So many people had so many crazy rumors about why I had taken time off. People said things as crazy as he was selling drugs or he was having an affair with a teacher. I just heard all the wildest things. And in the back of my mind, of course, I'm thinking, does my skin color have anything to do with these rumors that people are making up? Or am I thinking too much into it? Um, you know, but I had to put that to the side, put my pride aside, kind of focus on just getting back into school. And honestly, it was tough for me to get back into the back into that mindset of being motivated to do well academically. You know, I felt like I had crushed first year. I was on, doing had such momentum going. Now I'm coming back. People think less of me. I don't have the same friends because the friends that I had are now two years ahead the you know new people they're two they're even younger than they were i was already non-traditional going in now i'm even two years more separated also it really took me a while went through finally you know studied hard for step one took step one that went fairly well then ended up starting my first rotation of third year in internal medicine and that's when everything finally came back together i finally got to talk to patients interpret information think analytically with them help people take control of the information that they're learning, take take control of their care, um, team-based choices. And everything just made so much sense for me. I was like, okay, finally, it feels like this is definitely where I should be, even though I was second-guessing myself um, after I had come back from that time off. And so my first real positive exposure to clinical medicine was during my internal medicine rotation. I remember one of my preceptors, uh, he was a really cool old school doc. And he was like, honestly, I don't really don't know how to give positive feedback. All I know is that some people get it and some people don't get it. And you have whatever it is um, that you need to be a successful doctor. And he's like, I think it'd be great. Whatever recommendations you need. Uh, I'll definitely be there for you. And that definitely drove me to keep going harder during third year, um, go through all my rotations with a lot of enthusiasm, excitement for learning medicine, for patient care. Uh, and yeah, that just that just kept me going, honestly. 
And I had this two years of cardiology and vascular medicine research. So I already in the back of my mind was like, okay, you know, I'm going into internal medicine because that's what I need to do to get into either cardiology or vascular medicine. And so I just kind of kept moving from there and finding out, okay, what do I need to do to get myself into a strong internal medicine program to kind of set myself up? Let me not make the same mistakes I did in high school and undergrad of just like assuming things will work out. Let me get take initiative, get on top of everything, see what I can do. So ended up applying for some away rotations, both at the Mayo Clinic and Northwestern programs I know that have strong cardiology and that I already was familiar with. Had some mentors who were already at Northwestern um, that are currently cardiologists there that also went through the same post-bac program I did at Georgetown. And then I knew the people at the Mayo Clinic from my research time there. So went through the beginning of fourth year of medical school. Definitely uh, excited about taking advantage of my opportunity, showing people all that I've learned, that I'm you know more than whatever this time off looks like on my resume. And that I can definitely keep up with the best of them. And once interview season came, all of these thoughts definitely started to become more and more validated. I had people offering to pay for my flights and hotels out to interviews to pay for me to come back for a weekend and visit the city. And they would pay for me to stay in the hotel and, and do tours around and see if like I could see myself living there. And I was like, wow, people are really going above and beyond. Um, and for me, for what, like, you know, this little kid from Queens that didn't know what pre-med classes he needed to take. And now all of a sudden, um, I'm being recruited by these big name programs. So that was definitely an exciting turnaround for me, kind of realizing that all this work I put in, all this time and everything ended up being worth it. Um, ended up having trouble making a rank list because I really just enjoyed every program. I felt loved. I felt wanted by all the programs I interviewed at. Um, so that made everything everything more difficult, but it was definitely a great problem to have, like having too, too many good choices to rank. And one interesting question I got during my interview season was like, well, didn't you realize like things were kind of sketchy when you went to that school in St. Lucia and then you're trying to fill out your AMCAS and things didn't really seem like they were lining up perfectly. And, I, you know, obviously, candidly, I said, you know, a, a little bit. Yeah, but I didn't really know too much of what the right things were. So if there was a, a path that may have been unique that would have worked out for me, I thought I would definitely take advantage of that. But even more big picture, no matter what, if I found out that, you know, during when I was 18 years old, if someone was like, in order to be a doctor, you would have to go through this. You would have to go through traveling internationally, coming back, having someone make you take time off, having someone make you go to this part of the country that you've never been before. And then finally, not until after you turn 30, becoming a doctor, would I take that opportunity? And I, you know, I think I definitely would have taken that opportunity. Um, if it would have guaranteed me to be where I am now. So I'm appreciative of everything I've gone through. I'm excited about it. It allows me to have excitement when I talk to my mentees to let them know kind of no matter what you've been through, if you have the drive, if you have the motivation, if you want to make it happen, you can persevere and definitely make it happen. Um, that no matter what, who's trying to hold you back, what's trying to hold you back, what people are saying about you, that you have the opportunity to prove everybody wrong um, just by staying focused showing growth, showing maturity and being genuine. And people will love how genuine you are about telling your story and where you came from and how far you've grown. And obviously some people may feel a way that you weren't the most mature 21 year old, but no one can take away the fact that you're being real and you're being genuine about it. Um, and eventually people will gravitate towards that. 
So, I mean, I just, I love the opportunities I've had. And most importantly, I've loved being able to give back to young black male students in their journey to becoming doctors. The feeling that it feels to see an older black gentleman as a patient and him come in and just see this big smile he gives like, wow, man, I've never seen like a black doc. I never had a black doctor before. Like, this is, this is really cool. Like, I feel like you're really listening to me. You care what I have to say. And just showing that kind of all those things that you see in textbooks about disparities and people not trusting their physicians based on cultural differences and all these things really end up being true. And you get to see, be, be their first line to be the change um, and make that happen and make a, make a real difference in how people view the world. And so that's a little bit about my story. Again, my name is Ben Simmons and I'm a black man in a white coat. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Ben Simmons. Man, didn't I tell you guys that was fascinating? Imagine that. Just imagine, my, probably my favorite part is how he fessed up to this idea of he was a pre-med, he gets to college, he had no idea what he was doing, he was first generation, no idea what he was doing, went to his advisor like once, completely blew it throughout college, right? Goes to his advisor at the end of college and says, hey, I want to go to Mexico. They're like, are you serious? But he fessed up to that. He fessed up to that, right? And that's important to me because I'm going to be real with you guys. You guys know we do Black Men and White Coast. We do PremedMondays.com. We do DiverseMedicine.com. We interact with a lot of pre-medical students. And some of you all are in that situation. Some of you all are in that boat where you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're expecting people to bail you out. You are not doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're expecting us to come and bail you out, right? I'm going to be real with you guys the same way that that he was real with himself. You got to fess up. You got to say, here's where I messed up. And you got to do your due diligence, right? We want to help all you guys get into medical school. That's what, that's what we do, all the things we do. But if you're not going to put in the work, it's not going to happen. And I love what he said. He went to his advisors. They were like, are you serious? And they, they were offended. And he says, yeah, that's on me. He looked back and said, that's on me. I messed up. He didn't get mad at the advisors. He didn't get mad at anybody. He said, I messed up. Let me get my act together. I messed up, but I still want this dream. So I'm going after it. I love that. And that's called accountability. That is called accountability. So you gotta love that for the story right all of us need to be held accountable you gotta work if you want this man if you want to be a doctor you gotta work because no patient wants a doctor that didn't put in the work i'm gonna say that again no patient wants a doctor that didn't put in the work and he put in the work times too he went offshores to a caribbean school didn't work out the way he thought it would work out and i'm gonna leave that up to you guys to determine because i know the question we're gonna get question people are gonna start asking is should i consider caribbean medical school if i can't get into the state school right whenever we talk about that when we post on that those are some of the highest rated posts because so many individuals have that question because me being real is prevalence. It's a prevalent issue. We have um, a lot of young black boys, not, not boys, young, a lot of young black men and young, young black women who want to go to medical school. Their grades might not be where they are. And then you get a letter in the mail from the Caribbean medical school. Right. And you're so tempted to go out there. And then some of you guys go, some of you don't. Right. And that's the question that comes up. Should you go? Should you not? That's something you have to figure out on your own, which schools, there's so much that goes into that. And maybe that's a topic for a different day. However, he experienced both. So go back and listen to what he went through, his journey. And, and it's very fascinating to me. You know, when we asked him to do this podcast, I didn't even know he had done that. So it's very fascinating to me that he had both of those perspectives and, and he, go, he, he leads with his own take on it. Right. So I know that's, that's, that's kind of the thing in the story that I want you guys to follow through. Right. It's accountability accountability right so he didn't do what he should have done at undergrad he goes to Caribbean school wasn't the right fit for him but the whole way through he didn't blame anybody he was accountable to himself and he he adjusted his path to get to where he wanted to be 
And that's what you guys need to remember. Things aren't always going to be perfect. You're going to mess up, but you need to adjust your path to get to where you want to be. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Ben Simmons, everybody. Amazing story. First time I've heard anything like that on this podcast, right? You don't, that's pretty cool. Actually, probably the first time I've heard that, period. Um, but it's just awesome. So I appreciate you doing this podcast. All right, everybody. Reminder, subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. iTunes, pause this. Go do it right now. The more of you guys are listening, the higher our rankings are, and the more we can spread this message to help get more black men, black women, and anybody from a marginalized background into the field of medicine. Hit that subscribe button. Share it. Tell somebody about the podcast. All right. Uh, make sure you check out premedmondays.com. We do coaching for pre-medical students there. Diversemedicine.com. Get a mentor. Become a mentor. Uh, get recruited. We got recruiters on there. So much stuff we build for you guys. And so much of this, the vast majority of what we do for you guys is completely free. Take advantage of it, right? We give out my books for free, right? I buy books. I'm using my own money. I buy these books. Now you guys got to do is request the books and we'll mail them to you. Okay. You cover shipping and handling, right? $2.99, I think, something like that. You cover the shipping and handling, but we'll mail you, the, mail you the books and do your books for free, right? Take advantage. We spend so much time to do this stuff for you guys to equip you for success. We want you to be successful, right? We want to equip you for success. Take advantage of all this stuff, guys. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. I love you. Man, go out there and be great. Go out there and be great. Don't let anybody tell you you can't be great. Be Be productive. Love each other. And like I said at the start, pray for the country. We're going through some crazy stuff, man. Pray for the country. But through all of this, just focus on loving others, man, and focus on being the best that you can be and being positive, man. Love you guys. It's like a blessing, everything a win, loss is like a lesson. Ooh, ooh, yeah, ain't no time for stressing. I've been really stepping. Ooh, ooh, yeah, if you wanna go get it, stop playing around. Really got on racks, ain't playing around. If you wanna go get it, stop playing around. Really got on racks, ain't playing around. Black men, white yeah. coat, shit, we up right now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you gotta set you a goal.